0: Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Stirista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Vin, the associate producer here at Stirista. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders and get their take on the current challenges of the market. And we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, Vincent and AJ talk with Anudi Vikram, the chief product officer at MediaMath. He talks about how the global pandemic's effect on remote work helped workers develop better relationships with the help of video calls and also about how cookies going away affects the industry. AJ visits the Spurs headquarters and Vincent is a teensy bit jealous. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen,
1: welcome to another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. I, of course, am one of your hosts, Vincent Petrofessa, the Vice President of B2B Products and Partnerships here at Starista. It is so great coming at you. Uh, Season two, you've already heard some of the great episodes we have. We have even more ahead of that, including this one. I'm very excited about this one and this person and this company. We'll get to that in a moment. A little teaser there, I know. Ladies and gentlemen, first, let's get it out of the way. People are wondering, maybe they're listening to us for the first time. We appreciate that. Starista, who are you? Well, Starista, we are a marketing technology company. We focus on identity. We have our own business-to-business and business-to-consumer databases. Companies utilize us to target some of those individuals to get new customers. Again, identity. We have our own DSP, so we can do display. We can do connected TV, OTT. Email me, vincent at Maybe we can help you. I'm confident we can help you. I just gave you my email address. Ah, the other thing I'm confident about is my barber because I get a haircut every 10 days and my co-host, ladies and gentlemen, the CEO of starista i can't wait to hear some of the stories this guy is killing it in the tennis world as well as the business world mr aj gupta what's up aj
0: hey vincent i did something that uh, you might actually enjoy for a change um got invited to the uh, spurs uh headquarters so we uh, had a photo taken with all of their championships
1: i saw that i was yeah now i'm not a Spurs fan. I am a Chicago Bulls fan. We have six championships, by the way, to the San Antonio's five. However, I was jealous. (laughs) Anytime. I've never been that close to a trophy like that.
0: Yeah, they almost let me touch it, and then they yelled. I was getting way too close.
1: I saw that picture. It looks awesome, regardless of who the championships are. It's, uh, I said, you with your arms out with the five. That was pretty cool. What was that event for?
0: Um. They it was an event to sell the uh, courtside tickets, I think. Okay, so,
1: um, all right. Well, hey, I'll wait. I'm coming into San Antonio, I don't think the season will start. But what are we thinking at Starista? Are we thinking courtside seats or what? You have to now, you touch the trophies. That's that's the rule. You almost got arrested.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think uh, it depends on how nice you are to me for the next month or so. But um, all right, well, did I say tickets?
1: Did I, uh, did I, uh, can I say you look glowing today? You're glowing on this. So there's okay. one thing Thank there. Thank you, Vincent. Sounds
0: see? very authentic.
1: Ah, right. Yeah, no, that wasn't, but there'll be more. <laughs> That'll feel more authentic because I am coming to San Antonio uh, soon. Going to be great to see all of the teammates there, uh, not on the Spurs. My teammates at the, uh, at Starista, but that is awesome. Love I'm it. I'm just going
0: to toss something out. This is since we're marketing and sales related. So. There were about four different salespeople that came up to me, and almost every one of them had the same pitch, which was great. So I guess Spurs is doing something right. And uh, they were looking at the seats that Steven and I were looking at. And the first thing they said, this is the one right next to David Robinson. We don't even have to sell you on it.
1: Oh, wow. And, and, but
0: every single one of them said it. So I was like, I, I don't know if David Robinson actually has those seats, but they sure did a good job uh, promoting it. Well,
1: they did. So you could go a few different ways there. Cause it's like, well, you like the consistent story, right? but also read the room. Someone already pitched that to me. So where is the authenticity? <laughs> that is the, you're glowing comment of the sales pitch, right? Yep. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of that there, but uh, that is awesome. Also, you just say, I know Manu Ginobili. You do, you, uh, you're at the same. Uh, I, I, club I, I did him.
0: drop that. I asked for a discount because uh, he plays on the same tennis club. So.
1: Yep. I knew you were going to do that. I was just waiting for you to say it. So good. I love it. <laughs> Look forward to seeing you. And also, I'm very much looking forward to this guest. I love the company that he represents. It's MediaMath, ladies and gentlemen. And actually, it's in. The, I'm in New York City. I visited the offices there. I know many people there. But I want to talk to this individual. We'll get to MediaMath, of course. Great organization. But uh, this next guest, he is our first Chief Product Officer on the podcast. We are very excited to have him. Ladies and gentlemen, a warm marketing stir welcome for Anudith. Vikram, what's going on?
2: Hey, thank you, Vincent and Ajay. Thank you for having me here. Uh, What's going on? Lots, lots going on, but not much going on, you know. (laughs) That's the way life rolls nowadays in this new pandemic world of ours. Mm-hmm. But uh, but no, it's it's good from the business front, you know. The the market's doing really well, so good from that perspective. Uh I'm very, very grateful for the fact that uh I, I have a, a job that I I don't even call it a job because I just love getting up in the morning and doing that. It's almost like it's fun, it's not it's not a job. So I'm I'm really grateful for that fact. Uh my Immediate family, you know, close friends, and everybody are healthy. Thank God. Like uh, I, I, I have to admit that my extended family and friend circles have been pretty badly decimated, if that's the word for it. Mm. But um, but you know, immediate family is good. So got got to take the uh, the good things. You know, yeah. my, my bad stuff that happens every so often. But all yeah. good. All
1: good. Well- well, good. Yeah, it's great to, great to see you. It's finally nice to meet you. I, I, I know so many uh, people at Media Math doing great stuff there at that organization. We haven't met in person, you and I. We will. We're close by. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, we finally will. I've got friends there Terrence Friedman, Kim Teal, great organization. Uh, Anudeet, for people who don't know Media Math, like, like AJ and I do, talk a little bit about the organization. And then I'd love to learn your uh, specific role there, what you're doing, kind of some of the day-to-day.
2: Absolutely. Uh, uh, And thank you for asking that. MediaMath, for those who don't know, is a DSP. You know, uh, Vincent, you mentioned that you do have a DSP. So kind of similar from that perspective. Uh, We work on behalf of buyers, so brands and agencies, uh, for running media campaigns on their behalf. Uh, Our call to fame is the fact that we have... One, we are one of the OGs, if you will, one of the, we are the founding fathers of the DSP space in many ways. And uh, obviously we've kind of been building on that. Uh, we are omnichannel. So we we run campaigns across uh, digital, whether it is TV or mobile or video or display, digital out of home, audio, you know, all, all of that. Obviously, CTV is taking up more and more mind share and, and wallet share nowadays. So really excited to be working in that front as well. Um, Something that really excites me about what we do at MediaMath—we pretty much stay on the leading edge with a uh, with with some very niche technologies. So, uh, identity is something. You know, you you mentioned about Sterista and the work that you will do on identity. Identity is a calling card for us as well. We've spent a good amount of time rearchitecting our identity sp- infrastructure and and strategy to essentially prepare ourselves for uh, the world where the cookie goes away and. You know, we we kind of plan for it in multiple stages, cookie going away, first party identity becoming prevalent, uh, aggregate data being required, um, any user identity being prohibited. uh, And the world goes back to like a pure contextual uh, kind of world that we might see happen based on the way privacy and regulations and so on are coming through. And then last but not the least, uh, something that we have pioneered in the industry and, and are very, very proud to talk about is the concept of source the transparency in the supply chain, the uh, working with the ecosystem and ensuring that the buyers and the sellers have uh, full visibility into what happens in this very, very complex supply chain that we run for them. And so the fundamentals of source are around uh, around addressability, which means ensuring that whatever the identity might morph into or however you are actually targeting an individual, uh, a device uh, or a piece of content I will promise to you that we will have something real on the other side of the screen. Um, It's around uh, alignment, which is ensuring that the buy side and the sell side are aligned with each other. You can actually see the fee that are being transferred back and forth. It's about uh, ensuring that we share data between the buy side and the sell side so we can maximize optimization for the buyer and the seller both. Um, And it it is about uh, accountability. So ensuring that the buy side and the sell side are accountable for, for what happens. And we make all of this real through a very robust technological framework. So it is not just, you know, not to abuse the word, just marketing speak. It is, it is real, real technology that drives this, these three pillars of accountability, responsibility, alignment. And we are very excited about bringing it back to the world because it, it helps us stand out in a, in a way that I'm, I, I've, that is very close to my heart, which is it has to stand out by actually bringing the whole ecosystem along with us. It's not about just us being a DSP. It is about us working with the likes of you, with the likes of identity, other identity providers, with uh, technical providers for fraud detection, creative management, dynamic creative optimization, blah blah blah. Like there are so many, you know, we, we have a very robust ecosystem that we work within the ad tech space, and I am proud of the fact that we as a company help that ecosystem grow. So, yep, that's that's MediaMath in not really a nutshell, but a nutshell. Um, yeah. And uh, you, you wanted me to tell you about what I do? Uh,
1: yeah, some specifics around that. And, and also, I, I'd love to talk about, you started out specifically in, in a marketing role. A lot of the companies that you've worked at, a lot of companies that uh, we, we know and, and really like here, it's within our industry, like the Merkles, the Dun & Brad Streets. But talk about that shift. How you got into marketing to begin with, we love talking about that. And then your shift into the product side.
2: Well, so I have, I've been in a marketing role in the sense it's been more around, um, you know, the business of marketing technology, if you will, right? So uh, my initial days at Yahoo were purely on building out, actually, it was Right like media when we were built, when there was the ad exchange, the first ad exchange out there, and then it became Yahoo, and uh, that was more about solutions, so marketing solutions that we would bring, uh, you know, to, to market based on the technology that we had built. And then with Yahoo, it was more about like um, growing that and expanding that out to be able to maximize the use of Yahoo inventory as well, obviously. And uh, from there on, I went to uh, Merkle, which was about marketing technology again, and that was where. You know, Merkel was again one of the pioneers in bringing CRM to uh, the digital space. Where we we started Merkel as a as a CRM agency purely, and then it became more of a digital agency. And now, obviously, they are they are massive. And then I moved to DNB, and and that was more of a data role. Really, it was marketing, but data enabled marketing. And my job was more around making sure that we have a product, a set of products, a product lines that will allow us to maximize the uh, commercial viability of Brad Street data in the uh, digital ecosystem, and then from there, I'm here now at, at MediaMath, uh, with a very short stop in the middle with at, at Essential that was more about sales technologies, so to say. You know, working with uh, with Amazon and the likes of retailers who would actually do uh, try to manage sales in the digital or the e-commerce world, and then now at MediaMath, it's uh, it's purely technology, it's product. Um, my my teams uh, are responsible for the things that we do with identity, the things that we do with source that I spoke about. Um, I obviously our own our flagship DSP and, and everything that we do there. Um, I also am responsible for our product marketing. You know, I kind of can't let go of that marketing aspect certainly. And uh, and also, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a really strong data science and analytics team. Uh, you know, both internal as well as customer analytics that works for me. So excited, excited with what we can do. And you know, essentially, um, I, I, I kind of say this very often, there's no point in having a fabulous product if it doesn't really mean something for somebody or solve somebody's problem, right? So that's where the marketing piece comes in. Like we, we pride ourselves in solving the marketers' problems and, and making their lives better. And that's what we do at MediaMath no?
0: now. You started uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic, I think at MediaMath. And uh, based on uh, where we are filming this, I'm guessing you guys are not really back in the office still, right? So, uh, so how how has it been uh, getting to know your team all remotely? What are some of the uh, tips you'll give to people who are starting jobs in a very remote environment?
2: Oh, a great great question. And yes, you're right. I started MediaMath. Uh, about a few weeks after we had gone fully remote because the offices were closed because of the pandemic. So the three times that I had been inside the MediaMath office since I was an employee, I've been in the MediaMath office multiple times before I was a MediaMath employee, but since I've been an employee, I've been to the office thrice. And uh, once there were four of us in the office, and once there were three, and the last time there were just two. (laughs) Wow,
1: and that's a big office. I've been there before.
2: It's it's a massive office. Yes, a beautiful office, by the way. It's a beautiful office. And, uh, but no, you, you're right. It's, it's, it was a, it's an interesting, ride, You know, uh, starting up something brand new in, in the middle of a pandemic in a purely remote world. But as technologists, we are kind of a little used to it. And most of us now are used to it because the world is so global that very often we are working with somebody who is not in your zip code, very likely not in your state or country either. So you are doing things, um, you know, remotely. I, I have to say that if it wasn't for Zoom or the, the concept of video calls, it would have been a lot more difficult because sitting on a phone, like with a, you know, just staring out into nothingness and trying to focus on a voice for a long time is very difficult. Um, I think I, I, would, I would encourage that everybody, you know, who is in a purely remote world, as long as they are in a position where they can be video and turn video on, please keep video on because it allows you to get, to at least create some kind of a connection. You know, you see the facial expressions, you see, you know, the body language, it gives you a little bit of that feeling there. Uh, I can't even imagine how I could get through eight to 10 hours of calls every day with multiple people on the same phone line uh, with at least the video, you know, that somebody's talking and you can kind of focus on them. Building relationships is a little bit more challenging, but you know there's a good and the bad to it, right? The the bad to it is that there are things that you do when you you know to use a very archaic term, break bread. When you sit together and you have a drink or you have dinner and you you build a kind of a relationship that is um, that that is very different from a relationship that is built purely on this is who I think that person is. You know the the, the real person comes out when you're in person with them. However, the positive is when you are a distributed team, right, uh, there is always a little bit of an imbalance when there are some people who are closer together in a location and they can meet more often. And then there are some people who are further away and you don't really see them in person. And the relationships that you develop become slightly imbalanced. And I'm talking about leaders. Uh, it, It certainly is true everywhere, but I'm also, I'm talking very specifically about people in leadership positions. Whether we like it or not, there is a, a, a subconscious psychological thing which forces us to be slightly imbalanced because you just feel that you know somebody a little better than somebody that you've never really met. Um, and then when you do these conferences or conference calls and meetings and you have eight people in a room and one person per person sitting on a, on a phone somewhere and then two people sitting somewhere else, these eight people have a different experience than the others what this world has forced us to do is balance out that that experience across everybody, right? Everybody is in a room by themselves. Everybody is is basically equal at that table. And honestly, like the relationships I've been able to build with everybody because, and and I have to give it up to my team. They they were very, very um, generous with their time on, you know, getting on the phone, getting on the Zoom, uh, just talking to me. And... It allowed me to spend this kind of same amount of time with a colleague of mine who is in Singapore or Australia as I would with a colleague who is basically three buildings down, you know, from me. And so I was I was able in some ways to build better relationships all around, while maybe maybe they were an inch wide instead of being a mile deep, but you know, that inch wide matters when you can get it across the entire organization. So I think um i think it's it's difficult i still kind of miss the human interaction but uh it's possible because you can you can kind of live through uh learn through this uh, the the uh, uh digital engagements if you will and if anything it's taught me a few things about myself I, I i thought i was a huge introvert and i never needed to see anybody i was on a plane four days a week so i was forced to see many people every time and i thought you know i mean i'll be so happy when i don't have to travel so much oh my god no I want to see people. I, I'm, I'm not really, I'm, I'm an ex, introverted extrovert, I guess. I don't know, I don't know what's the right word for it. I thought that I could just live my life watching TV. Oh God, no, I don't want to watch TV. I don't, I'm, I'm done, I'm done with all those damn things. Like, I just get me out of here. Like, just get me in front of people now. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I would say we have had similar experience to you. So I know I'm fortunate enough to have had dinner with you once, uh, so I feel like we're part of the a small club of people that have had dinner in the pre-COVID world <laughs> but uh, yeah one thing that stood out to me was uh, last year we did our virtual conference and for the first time we were able to include our employees in India and Serbia that uh, normally didn't happen because we would all the U.S. guys would get together and then the India guys would get together separately and uh, some of the remote guys uh, were just out of luck. so But we were able to do this and I think that's something we'll continue doing even when things normalize just because it was such a great experience to have every single person on the Zoom call. Yeah,
2: absolutely.
0: Um, so Another one of the kind of raging questions in our industry now is this uh, change in iOS and cookies going away. So we'd love to hear Uh, your perspective on how you see that affecting particularly kind of the media buying side of things
2: yeah great question and yes it's a raging topic nowadays but you know i i say this like the only constant is change right this 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 had to happen and in some ways we bought it upon ourselves by just being so lazy fair and you know, uh, disrespectful of the way we manage privacy because the third-party cookie allowed us to do so many, many things. And then, the the you know, the world swings like a pendulum, right? It doesn't. It doesn't normally stay still. It kind of swings on one side, and then either swinging back, it kind of overcorrects onto the other side, and it kind of just keeps coming back and forth. And so, I have been fortunate enough, you know, when when looking at it in a very myopic marketing lens. I've been with Yahoo on the publisher side. I've been with, you know, Merkel on the agency, the buy side. And I've seen the the pendulum from both the lenses. And I know that um, we we kind of over-romanticized what we could actually do with the third-party cookie. Like We ignored the negatives that it brought with it, you know, quality of data, what was real, real, and what was actually just... You know, I, I have a cookie, it says you're male or female, including, uh, you know, in, ignoring for a second the the multiple genders that are possible. If you just say male, female, I mean, yeah, sure, you're 50% right, like, yeah, well, the cookie can't be wrong, right? Like, yeah, you're 50% here, right? Uh, and we just accepted a lot of those things uh, as, as being, you know, par for the course, and we just went along with it. Um, and then, of course, that that resulted in a bunch of privacy issues and so on, and, and here we are. Um, here's my take on it. The the change the going away of the third party cookie, I think it's a good thing. It's a good thing. We we have solutions. You know, technology is advanced well enough that we have some pretty good uh, replacement using first party IDs, and the qual the quality of data via first party IDs is so much better than what we had in third party cookie. Sure, the scale is lesser, right? But the quality is massive. However, we have some really cool uh, technologies using artificial intelligence and machine learning that can allow you to infer a lot more with smaller data sets. And therefore, I think you will have good enough um, responses or good enough ways to do attribution and so on using smaller data sets. And I think that's a good thing. Um, Apple uh, with IDFA and going away, uh, getting into purely aggregated mode, yeah, attribution changes. You know, the, the, the way you do measurement and attribution changes. But come on, let's be honest, how good were we? Were we, right? were we actually really good at attribution? Or did we fool ourselves into believing that, yeah, we had already solved that problem? Because believe me, we had not. Right? We might have solved the attribution problem in a channel, in a within a very narrow scope. And as long as you kept your marketing within that channel, sure, you had a pretty good view. Now I will give it to the world gardens, right? When they see end-to-end, when they can do everything, they see where the user comes, where the user buys, where the user clicks. Sure, they, they can do attribution end-to-end, but remember again, it's within that channel, but no marketer today runs their entire marketing campaign inside one channel. I mean, you know, omni-channel marketing is marketing. Like, I don't think we even call it, we, we use the word omni-channel just to differentiate it, but it's not, I mean, all, all real marketing is omni-channel. So, it's not like we had really solved attribution anyway. And I think understanding the fact that we want to be able to do things at aggregate level, understanding that the quality of data via the first party IDs is so much higher, understanding that we we did a pretty good job of actually getting the same messages across in the good old days of magazines and looking at targeting only contextually, there is no reason why we cannot still provide the value to the buyer and the value to the user that they both deserve using the tools and the technologies that are available today.
1: I love hearing that perspective and, and kind of one of my questions is around my last 10 years, I really spent in the B2B marketing space, technology data, and it looks like that's been similar to, for for you, I, I would love to hear what draws you to the technology or the B2B aspect of
2: marketing. Oh, great question! And actually, I'm glad you brought it up the way you did because, you know, most pe- most of this, of us in this industry, and we talk about marketing and measurement and targeting and so on, our mind just goes to one to one, right? We do, we go to personalization. You know, one is to one, uh, targeting and so on. All of us in the B2B space know that doesn't exist. We target companies. We use people as proxy for companies. And so we are always working in the aggregated space. We are not really working. Sure, you know, I, I was at DNB, we built out this, we, we had 300 plus companies in our database and we knew about people who worked at those companies and we could target C-level employees and director level employees and blah, blah, blah. And we used what the company was doing as a proxy for what those people were interested in. Um, and, and that's great, right? You know, it it, it works. What what um excites me about b2b marketing in some ways is that we we went from you know i use this example of like targeting in magazines and doing contextual targeting for users to this hyper focused hyper localized hyper targeting the b2b world always stayed in this aggregated targeting mode and I think the rest of the world can actually learn from B2B on how to run campaigns that are not necessarily hyper-localized and hyper-targeted, right? I think the B2B world had uh, has done some really cool things as it relates to um, maximizing the efficacy of events when it comes to driving, um, you know, business and, and seeing how uh, to to use that in, to, to use the uh, the uh, simile into the consumer world like. What you do at point of sale at a Walmart or a Target or a Costco versus what you do at your booth at an event, and then you go back and you try to do like you know maximize or amplify that message by doing like one to one targeting via the browser or via the app and so on. Those are very very similar uh, kind of use cases. And then you know the um, um, for the wonder of a better word, the ticket value of B two B sales is so much higher. It's so much more fun. You know when I know that if I convert one user, I'm drawing if I'm HP, like two and a half million dollars versus if I convert one user, I'm drawing $2.50 to sell a soap. <laughs> <All different laughs> story. So certainly fun from that perspective as well.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I share some of the same you know interest there in, in, in B2B, what drew me to B2B marketing. Staying on marketing and kind of understanding how media math operates in terms of marketing, what would you say, what types of problems are you able to solve for your customers?
2: Yeah, great question. So... Uh, we pride ourselves on, on being you know, a highly performant and optimized platform, right? So uh, again, we are talking, I'm, I'm gonna spend a good chunk of my time talking about consumer marketing for the most part. And then certainly we, we do service the likes of IBM and you know, B2B m- marketers as well. Um, but uh, from a consumer marketing standpoint, the, the marketer's singular goal is to maximize the efficacy of their campaigns as it relates to running them on various different channels and seeing whether the message that is being delivered is actually resonating and whether that message is then converting into sales. Right? What MediaMath does, uh, we, we have a core technology which we have very, very smartly labeled the brain. Right? So the MediaMath brain takes in a multitude of signals from uh, the point of like, what is the kind of inventory source that a certain type of user actually prefers? What is the type of creative that uh, resonates and the message that resonates with type of users? Uh, What time of day do users prefer? What type of creatives? Um, And then certainly all the first party, third party data that we can actually get. And we use that within the brain to Uh, influence uh, or to inform the algorithm, which then generates bits for us to decide whether for this user on this property at this time, would it make most sense to show them a Callaway golf ad or a Cosmopolitan magazine ad or something else, depending on the the characteristics that we know of the user. Um, What MediaMath also does is it allows marketers to uh, to use this brain in, in more um, esoteric fashion. So for example, if you are an insurance company and you, you're running, when you run marketing as an insurance company, you actually don't, you run marketing for yourself, but then each of your insurance um, you know adjusters or so on, they are, run, they are running their own little business within your company and they're running their marketing programs within their locations and so on. What, what we allow you to do is we allow... The, the brain that is running the program for the, mark, for the insurance company to then spawn off these little brains, which all these smaller brains can then actually learn from the big one and they can immediately start running optimized campaigns for new insurance um, people as they come on, right? That's one example. The other thing that we do is we, uh, we actually create, we, we have technology that allows us to extract or modularize our systems. So If you are a company that is in a regulated industry and you're not allowed to to, uh, expose your data outside of your walls, we can take our entire algorithm and our systems, think of it as BYOB, bring your own algorithm, bring your own data, and we can uh, implement that inside your walls so that your data and your systems will be localized to you and you can still influence the larger DSP to do the work on your behalf. And then uh, finally, uh, well, not finally, but one more thing that we do is we also allow us allow you to like fully white label the, the platform to, do, to, to create specialized solutions for you to enable your marketing campaigns in the way you want them to run, integrating into your marketing stack, your systems, whatever your tech looks like.
0: I know that's one of our signature questions we like to ask here is uh, uh, around LinkedIn. So I'm guessing based on your job title, you get almost an unlimited stream of unsolicited uh, messages. Uh, So our question is, you know, what is it that gets you to respond and what is something that
2: really drives you crazy? Uh, Well, what drives me crazy? That's a, I like to address those questions first because they're more fun. (laughs) what drives me crazy is when uh, i actually got an email the other day and it says i i have noticed that you have been sending many sms messages no 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 i haven't sent a single sms <laughs> and, and that's in that's in that little header of the text right i don't even have to open my email it, like, it shows up right there i'm never opening that email and when you send me and I, and you know that message comes to me multiple times and then it changes slightly to it looks like you haven't read my early one. Obviously I have not read your earlier one. At some point in time, you got to get the message and not send me the same thing over and over again. That drives me crazy, right? What gets me to open is if you have somehow been able to get a more brand oriented message in front of me at some point in time, so that when I see an email from you, I can draw a connection to something that actually stayed in my mind, right? It's very, very rare that I will just, I will open uh, a cold email without there being any connection whatsoever. Maybe if it has a subject line that is so relevant to something that I am just thinking about, maybe, but even then, likely not. And I am just looking up right now uh, at the risk of just making me sound really, really bad. I have 8,794 unread emails in my mailbox. And I will tell you this, Every weekend I go to inbox zero. Okay. Wow. Every weekend I spend time going to inbox zero. That doesn't mean I read all my eight thousand emails, but I will at least parse through them and I'll either delete them or I will move them out. Or, but when I come, when I start work on Monday morning, my inbox is zero unread. Wow. And right now there are, like I said, eight thousand and someone. So, on so- hey, that
0: that that's awesome. That's always my goal, but I always end up starting the week with 10 or 15 that are left over. And I just can't seem to get rid of them well, I'm, sure. I'm sure I miss so <laughs> it,
2: mean, but you know, I mean, the, the intention is.
0: I know that you uh, are pretty active on LinkedIn. So one of the things that we have picked up on is that your wife is a uh, very accomplished and a very uh, accomplished writer. But we'd love for you to share on the podcast a little bit about her and the books she has written. Oh, absolutely! she'll
2: she be happy. I'll make sure that she hears the podcast because she believes that <laughs> we don't know anything about what she does. <laughs> but uh, but no, yes, she is. And as, as somebody very nicely, Jay Sears, I, I don't know if you guys know him, but uh, he's a very good friend. And yesterday, he uh, he commented on the on the little video that I had that she had put up there, my video. That it's quite obvious that they're a bit married up. And yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, you know, my my wife is she actually has a marketing background, uh, but she is a, a holistic health counselor and Ayurveda coach, and she works with um, uh, with women, um, essentially empowering women who have either uh, who are facing difficulties because of you know domestic issues or because of um, displacement due to immigration and things of that sort. And um, she's been uh, this is her thirteenth book if I remember correctly and. Uh, Uh, this is a nonfiction, she's written two novels in fiction, uh, a few books in poetry, and this is nonfiction, this is about, it's a book called A Piece of Peace, and uh, it is on Amazon, so anybody can search for A Piece of Peace uh, on on Amazon, and it is, uh, it's there, it's about uh, how to live your life uh, in in a holistic way, and and Ayurvedic tips to manage uh, a balanced life, you know, which um, all of us, I'm sure will admit that, I mean, at least I would put my hand up and say that I fail at managing a balanced life. I actually have at least matured enough to a point where I recognize my imbalance and and try to work on it. If you had spoken with me about five or seven years ago when I was much, much younger, I was actually proud of my imbalanced life. Yeah, so um, her her book is about uh, what should you do? and, And when you find yourself in an imbalanced situation, what can you do? to get better.
1: Oh, that's great. Yeah. Again, that's a piece of peace. Check it out. Thanks for sharing that, uh, AJ and
0: NRB. Uh Vincent, I think you should read that one.
1: I sh- uh, Yeah. Right. I need, to, I need I do need balance. Yeah. Uh, you know, a piece, in, in, in my a life.
0: P-I-E-C-E.
1: Yes. A piece of, yeah. P-E-A-C-E. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. But I can see those are the people who are uh, watching uh, the podcast on uh, on YouTube, you can see it in the back there, the, the title. I see the poster in the back.
2: Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah. I got a view
1: there. Yep. So oh, nice. Yeah. Um, let's reflect back on your career thus far. The, what, what are some shining moments in, in your career at any of the jobs that, that you've had there that uh, stand out to you?
2: oh that's nice that's such a nice question yeah it's, it's we're near we're nearing
1: uh, the end we always like to, uh, to to you know let's let's reflect right it's a reflection uh, point on on a career shining moment yeah
2: yeah it's it's nice thinking on the nice thing. so i I'll, I'll say this like my shining moments are really funny ones like funny ones and then like i don't know how many people will relate to them or not but you know it they're more about uh, there there was a time when um, we we had a I, I was working at Microsoft in those days, way back when, very, very early in my career. And uh, we were uh, doing a, a, a server implementation for for a bank. And we had some problems with implementation and there was just no way that we would figure out, nobody was able to figure out what was wrong. And this was like, it was going on for months, like it was three, four months or something. And we were not able to figure it out. I, I have a very simple philosophy in life on you know, if it's technology, it can be fixed, right? Like that's, that's a very simple philosophy that I have. And I, we, we went into this situation uh, after we were called in, like when nobody else could actually figure anything out. And we went in there, asked a few very basic questions, asked some questions that we thought were really, really dumb. I, I thought that was, would be really dumb, but I was like, what the hell, I'll just ask it anyway. And lo and behold, you know, you, you go through some of that and then you put a few tweaks and fixes and it works. And everybody's like, oh my God, like, how, how, how did that happen? I have no idea other than the fact that as long as you stay true to first level fundamentals, right, to first principles, things will fix themselves. You will be able to fix things. And that to me was a shining moment on because it, it reinforced my belief that first level principles always work, right? Um, another one was about... Uh, uh, a time, and this was recently, uh, relatively recently, a few years ago. I was, uh, I, I had a few team members that were just in, in a in a position where they were not able to see, uh, you know, the uh, the forest for the trees, or you know, through the fog into the other side. And um, it, it took a little doing, but you know, working with them on a on a regular basis, and then showing them, talking to them about how they should be thinking about life, because very often when you are at work. Um, It's your life that is in the background and in your subconscious that is playing on you that influences your decisions and your thinking. And then everything starts becoming very bright or very murky, depending on what angle you're coming at it at. And so seeing seeing the light go on in people's eyes and and giving them hope again on what can be better or going forward, um, that kind of just makes me very, very happy. It's, It's something there. Personally speaking, uh, I was working at a news channel when we were building out uh, the, um, uh, the model that actually would help call the election night, the presidential election, um, you know, it, which happens four years every November. And um, that was the the Bush-Gore uh, election. That was the first time that we built the model. And I was very, very proud of the fact that uh, my model actually predicted that it would go that close and would eventually be called um, oh, wow just a single state. Um, very excited about that. So those, those are three things that stand out in my mind. You know, they're random, but they're yeah. you know, very, very exciting for me personally.
1: Yeah. Three very different uh, experiences, but you know, that's, uh, thanks for sharing that. And then, and finally for fun, what do you like doing for fun? You know, besides watching the, you know, the Patriots as you and I were talking about me, the giants, and uh, talk to me about what you like to do.
2: Um. Uh, Pre-pandemic fun was different fun in in the in-pandemic fun, but uh, just to put all of that aside, yeah, uh, golfing. I love golfing. Um, I have a travel bug, which is itching at this point in time. I I, just, I need to get out. Uh, love meeting friends and family. It's it's great hanging out with my nephews and nieces. You know, just something that can um, calm my mind, clear my mind. Uh, absolutely, football. Patriots. Uh, Real, real big tug of war between Patriots and Tom Brady at this point in time. But you know what? we will just, we'll just do them both. I'll take yeah. them. Around. I'm, I'm fortunate. Um, I love reading books. There they are there are many things I find. I've recently found myself getting more and more into like art and painting. I, mm. I love I love uh, acrylic painting and woodworking. Oh wow! It's like I love doing things. With, you know, just working, making something come to life. So yeah, that's that's the fun things. That's I would on. do cooking for one. That would help. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's like, oh, you're doing all these great things, woodwork. <laughs> and how about some cooking? How about I'd love a meal well, one of the times. Well, now that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your you know, your story and taking some time with us here on The Marketing Stir. This has been, uh, I love the way you explain things and, and break it down uh, in, in various levels. So thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. That is Anudith Vikram, the Chief Product Officer at BDM Math. Look up BDM Math. Give them a look. I'm Vincent Petrofessa. That's AJ Gupta. Thank you so much for listening and watching. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir Podcast by Stirista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at stir at and Thanks for listening.